Tom Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your T-Lo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low in your T-Lo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. He's looking at me with love eyes today. Oh, I can it's, tell. Well, it's, it's nice. It's springtime. <laughs> and we're just feeling the love in the we're air. We're buying things floral. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah. We've been doing a little bit of shopping and... Uh, we're feeling the end of the tunnel syndrome. Um, we debated whether we were going to make this a public thing or not, uh, whether it was anybody else's business or not. But we got our first vaccination shot this week, and um, I figured we would talk, we would mention it because number one, I guess if you're if you even you even little tiny public platforms like ours. I guess we should do our bit to encourage people to get the, the vaccine and say, we right, got it, it's right. safe. True. It's, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like hiding it makes it sound like, and it's already controversial enough. So, yes, we got our first jab. It was all above board, no jump in the line. A family member works for a public health company who extended it to any family members of employees. And, and anyone she wanted to put on the list, she can put on the list. So we, we got on it. And, um, yeah, I will say that... Um, that day, for the rest of the day, I, I did text uh, my sister and I said, I feel like I'm on the verge of tears, except I'm not. I'm not crying. I'm not upset. But it's like a year's worth of, well, 15, well, 13 months of stress. Right, right. Just leaving your body. Just leaving your body. Like, uh, you know, just 13 months or it's not actually just exactly 12 months of living a certain way, living with this low-grade I really don't want to say we lived in fear this past year. We didn't, but we had to change everything about our lives because I, I, of, you know, a concern. So uh, that concern, I just felt like it was draining out of my body. Go I ahead. I didn't, you know, live in fear for a whole year. But No. But March was horrible. And I'll never forget March 2020. Right. When things got really bad, we had to cancel everything and we couldn't go out and people were dying and they they couldn't do anything about it. Um, there was no treatment, no no vaccine, no nothing, and people were dying. And we have nurses in our family, and they were telling us all these stories. Like mm-hmm. they would come home, just just having the worst time of their lives, yeah. you know, crying uh, and couldn't do anything, and you know. So yeah, it was very scary for me because <clears throat> for the first time I felt like, you know, I death was like something that could happen any minute see i didn't feel i, I did i know i, I felt did. that way and i don't mean to uh, that's look we all responded to this past year in in, in different ways and i am a one thousand percent of the opinion that no one can tell anyone that they did it the right or the wrong way mm-hmm. uh, in terms of their emotional response to things um if you shut down for a year uh, and you were depressed that whole time or you had high gradings, who is to, who's anyone to say whatever, that that was the wrong way to approach it? I, what, we're, what we're talking about now today, the reason this is even on the podcast is because a couple of things. There's a shift in the culture right now where you can tell that everyone's has that light at the end of the tunnel feeling right now. Um and we were, I guess because of that zeitgeist, we were actually uh, asked by a magazine to submit a piece. Uh, it's it's not coming out until June. We'll let you know when. But we had a pitch, a piece based on the idea of what did you learn in this past year? What things have changed for you because of this past year? And so we had to spend some time thinking about this question. And we pitched a piece, and we're not going to talk about that because it's very specific. But we did spend several days turning that over. And... I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. It doesn't have to be so much a personal thing, although that's part of it. It's that's the thing about this event, this this whole year is that I've never experienced anything like this in my lifetime and I hope honestly I never do again because it was happening everywhere to everyone. You know what I mean? It wasn't 9/11. It wasn't some natural, it wasn't Katrina. It was literally right. happening everywhere to everyone. Everybody was affected by this. Everybody had, um, you know, some sort of, I don't want to say tragic, although a lot of people had tragic stories, but just m- disappointments. The New York Times had a really good article this week, again, and I'm just doing all this setup so you can jump in soon. I promise I'm not going to... Yes, he's giving me that condescending <laughs> smile. Oh, by all means, honey, tell me about what the New York Times said about this. The New York Times had an article this week about um, these the the un um, 
the unexamined tragedies of the past year, the people who don't feel that they can. And it really spoke to me because it was a bunch of people who said, you know, I didn't lose anyone. Uh, I didn't. It wasn't financial ruin for me, but there were so many minor disappointments throughout the year for me, things that I will never get back for us. And we've, we've gone over this. It was our book tour, the enormous disappointment of that. And there were other people in my family's, in like my niece had to cancel her wedding, and then she just had to cancel it again because she postponed it until June of this year, and it was just cutting it too close. Disappointments like that, which are not people dying, not people facing financial ruin, but literally everybody I know. Um, people, I have a sister who has two young children at home, and she is, you know, I just don't mind me saying, she's financially fine and everything like that, but to, to have two children under the age of eight at home all day long... I don't know how she's doing it without going crazy. We have other friends who are single and live alone. I don't know how they've done it all this year. Right. Um, For us, it was being small business owners. That was our particular, not tragedy, but it was our little hook. It was, we had to get through this year and keep our business afloat. And um, survive as a couple of long term in in a finite space and not, if, if anything, if anything about this year that I, I, two things I come out of it with is one, I think we, I am and we are fairly emotionally resilient. We can get through things without falling apart. Uh, and the other thing is, is that our marriage is fucking rock solid, buddy. Come <laughs> the hell on. <laughs> it's um, true. It's true. it's true. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, maybe this doesn't work for everyone, but we have an innate understanding of when we're supposed to go to each other's corner and leave each other the hell alone. Um, and that has kept us in survival mode this whole right, year. Right. Anyway, let's hear some thoughts no, from I, you I, about I, I, what it's like to be vaccinated, things that you feel you've learned in the past year. I just, yeah, the whole vaccination thing really uh, upset me. And I mentioned that a couple of times on, on Twitter because I felt that, I, you know, everybody knew it was going to happen. But when it happens, you know, it, it still upsets you. The fact that it's based, you know, it, it, it's different from state to state, from country to country. Right. And I just felt that, and we have, a, like I said, I have, we have a lot of uh, health professionals in, in our family. Mm-hmm. So they got vaccinated first and they got to do things that we couldn't do because we were waiting. Yeah. So that was tough in, in the sense that I hadn't seen my family. I haven't seen most of them yet. Um, and, and some of them were already getting together and stuff because they were getting vaccinated. So that was tough for me, but I understood uh, and waited for my turn. Um, it was tough, that kind of stuff. And I still feel that guilt um, because... That we got a vaccine. That a vaccine came and, and I got it and, and so many people died. I mean, I still feel that way. I'm sorry if people don't think it's silly of me, but I do. I do. I, I do. I mean, I see... I think it's silly, I mean... I, you know, I like my best friend's mother died last year and he's my best friend. I love him so much. And um, his mother died and nobody attended the funeral. Yeah, uh, it was, he was a Zoom funeral. It was he, terrible. He was, it was a Zoom uh, funeral. Um, I sent the Zoom uh, video to my mom because my mom wanted to be there. And um, anyway, it was just very, very sad. He was by himself. Nobody else awful it was just awful 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 so that that type of stuff you know yeah it's great i feel great and of course we have a vaccine and that's something to celebrate but at the same time i can't help but think about so many people died and it's not like they died 10 years ago i mean no they they died last year and they're still dying months Um, in the last several months so yeah it's this bittersweet uh, absolutely uh experience for me at least um, but yes, I'm happy that we're, we're getting vaccinated, that eventually everybody's going to get vaccinated and we're, and we're going to move on and, and do other things. Or I think do that the things speaks that to, um, we haven't done in a while. Yeah, I agree. And I think that speaks to the way you're, you're talking about it and the way I'm talking about it is somewhat the difference between, uh, the two of us is that I want to rush to put a frame on something like, okay, that is behind us. Let's frame it. And then we'll learn from it. And you know that, and of course that's not the, sometimes that's uh-huh. not appropriate at all. And you need time to let something work its way out of your system. Right. And this is what I mean about, there is no right way to end. And I totally agree with you that um, we're so, we're still in this. We're right. still in this yes. talking about the end, talking about what we're going to do next, but we are still in that ditch. Um, we're, someone threw us a rope, we're getting out of the ditch, but we're still in it. And so it is a weird, we are in a weird time right now. I know 
we questioned whether we were going to tell people, you know, public, like on the podcast or whatever, on social media, mention that we got the vaccine. And like I said, we thought, well, maybe we have a, a responsibility to say, you know, mm-hmm. get it when you can. But I know if we get an opportunity, we're not doing anything. We don't get our second jab for another month. And then we're going to wait some time after that. So we're, we won't be out and about until mid-May, probably. Um, but even then, I'm not going to be, we're not going to be posting that on social media. Look no, at no, that. No, absolutely not. No. And that's the Too fr- many people. No, no, no. That's the thing that I criticized on Twitter is the fact that people were being very condescending to the people who were still waiting for the vaccine. Yeah. So that, It'll come. Yeah. It'll I don't come. have a problem with people getting vaccinated. I mean, I, obviously, I just got vaccinated, but it's, the, it's how you deal with it, how you present it to, the, to everyone around you. Uh, that's the issue I had most of the time with people on Twitter. And I express that. Um, it's just the way it is. And, and I, I'm definitely a different person. I mean, seriously, uh, <laughs> I've learned a lot. And I hope that I can keep some of this, I know, experience, you know, and I incorporate into whatever I was, whatever I was before. Right. <laughs> so I can sort of mix these two, you know, Lorenzo together. Um, because I think it is important. Like, uh, I, I've, we've talked about this and I, I've talked about this to some people or oh, here she is um that um i'm still gonna wear masks you know if we i wanted to talk about that not not everywhere obviously but if i'm i'm on, on a like on a train or a plane or something we're supposed like that. to fly yeah. in june it's something book related we, and we haven't announced it yet because i again you know jessica walter passed away yesterday and rest in peace i love her so much and i read an, a quote from her about being an, the kind of actress she was, which is she wasn't a ma- major star. And she said, I never believe I get the job until wardrobe calls me and asks me what size I am. <laughs> <Right>. So <laughs> we have an event that we're supposed to do in June, but we're not saying anything about it yet. But anyway, we will be on a plane if that happens. And um, I don't care what the hell the rest of the world is doing. I am wearing an, a mask. I don't care right, that I'm, right, right. I'll be two months post-vaccination at that point. It's There are certain... Yes, I will probably wear masks on planes and in the subway. I talked about, um, you know, we're not, we're urban and we don't own a car. So whenever we need to get out of the city or do any sort of traveling, you know, that we use an Uber or a Lyft or something like that. And I said, I, I won't be getting into the, any cars like that until unless I have a mask on for at least the rest of the year. Right. Um, no, I totally agree. Like uh, our neighborhood is kind of safe in terms of most people wear masks. But I noticed, like, I, I had to go to the post office, which is several blocks from, from our place. And I came back and I told you, I said, I noticed a lot of people without a mask. They've gotten their, a lot yes. of people have got their vaccines and they don't care anymore. Right, but you, exactly. Our neighborhood is, um, it's very urban and it is um, all retail storefronts. It's not a, res- it is a residential, it's combined residential um, and, and retail. So, you know, our block has a coffee shop and a bakery on it. It has a Starbucks a block away from us. So there's always foot traffic right outside. You cannot walk outside our front door without hitting people. It's just, it's that kind of city street. So for the past year, there has been this tension about leaving, leaving, just going outside. Right. And just yesterday, I went outside for something and there were two guys standing there, no masks on, sipping right, their right. Starbucks because people are walking around with open coffee and sipping their coffee. So... Th- that was always the problem with being, again, it's everybody came at this a different way. It highlighted different things about their lives. And if you're a childless urban couple uh, who doesn't have a car, it's going to highlight certain things right, about right. your life that are not, is not conducive to living through a pandemic. It made it very difficult for us this year. I don't regret those choices because right. for the most of my adult life, it has been, I owned that choice. But this was the year where I was like, oh my God. It sucks being on a busy city street. It sucks not having a car. And these were things I valued in my life before. So I don't know, are we going to come out of this? Are we going to buy a car in 2022? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe we'll make changes. But I, 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 yeah, I don't care how this sounds. I just, I don't care how this sounds. This is where I am right now. Right now, at this moment, I'm looking at the exit and thinking, yeah, I'll, pick over the scabs later. I really don't care what I've learned or what I've changed. I just want to get to the exit. Right. Um, maybe I, I didn't learn anything and maybe that's okay. Uh, I thought about this as we were leading up to this podcast and I realized that it's we're still in it. It's not in our rear view mirror yet. But even so, I'm having a hard time remembering this past year. Do you remember your birthday? 
I don't remember my birthday at all. No, I don't remember I don't celebrations. Remember, our birthdays are in the summer, and I don't remember. I'm like, we did something. I do remember Christmas, because we made an effort. That's different. That's yeah. Christmas. And I remember Thanksgiving. But everything else, right. Easter last year, we were on lockdown. I don't remember it. Um, yeah, Just stuff like that. This whole year is a blur, and I'm still in it. When we are 18 months out of it, it's going to seem even more of a blur to right, me. Right, but but we have to remember that we were home all the time. A lot of people he still had to work, still had to go out. And I know. Go. So it, I'm sure it's completely different uh, for these people. Um, it's just, yeah. Um, and I will continue, like I said, to wear a mask and be careful and, and keep my distance. And I'm certainly not hugging or, or kissing anybody anytime soon. No, I'm, I've been cured yeah, of hugging. I'm, I'm not <laughs> hugging. Um, uh, I'm just going to be careful because I see and I said that that the only thing I trusted uh, was going to be the, the only thing I was going to trust was the uh, vaccine because I really don't trust people. <laughs> I well, think, I, I mean, think this experience showed me a side of, of people that I it was very disappointing to me in general. Uh, but, I do want to get to that in a second, but uh, because that's how I'm going to wrap this up, and then we're going to get right. to the next topic. But I really, before we get to the depressing stuff, I would I want to talk about something that we actually love right now, which is Uncommon Goods, which is sponsoring this portion of the podcast. Uncommon Goods is well, honestly, you just have to check it out. It's an online shop filled with unique. Totally unexpected gifts. And when I say unexpected, I mean truly original things that you won't find anywhere else. Uh, Lorenzo and I did a little bit of shopping yes, there. Yes, and yes. they have all kinds of gifts like houseware and, and di- you know, serving wear and dining gifts and gifts for kids and stuff like that. Lorenzo got the personalized compact swivel cheese board, which yes, has got our I'm, it's I'm, monogrammed with our initials and everything. Right, because I'm like my mother. Uh, ent- when I entertain, I have to make sure everything is beautiful and I have everything to serve. Uh, and Lorenzo would think- never ever serve anything that didn't look absolutely fabulous. No, so when I me. say he picked this cheese board, it yes. is fabulous. And and let me just say, it's not like I spend a lot of money. I just make sure it it looks nice, and yeah. you don't have to spend a lot of money. No, uh, to make things look nice and and neat. And, you know, organized. I ordered the poppy cocktail, which I didn't even get until just now that that's a, a, a plan where it's right. poppycock. Because it has poppies painted all over. Poppy cocktail glassware. It's a set of glassware uh, in these sort of retro poppy design. It's really bright and beautiful. And honestly, we were on that site for three minutes when we each picked out our items. It was so easy, yeah. It's like, oh my God, there's so much here and there's so much to love that we just fell in love with all of it. It's just a great little... Not little at all. It's actually a massive gift site where you can find anything for anybody. So if you're shopping for someone's birthday, Mother's Day that's coming up, an anniversary or wedding, Uncommon Goods is the place to go for thoughtful, original gifts for everyone in your life. When you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. And they don't sell products made with leather, feathers or fur come on now people come on yes gotta support them that's a great thing it's a brooklyn-based company that's all about giving back with every purchase you make at uncommon goods they give back one dollar to a nonprofit partner of your choice they've donated more than two million dollars to date so to get 15 percent off your next gift go to uncommongoods.com slash t-l-o that's uncommon goods.com slash t-l-o for 15 percent off on your next gift with you know graduations are coming right. up Anything. mother's day father's day it's just it is a like perfect one-stop place shopping place and they have really fabulous fabulous gifts so don't miss out on this limited time offer uncommon goods they're all out of the ordinary all right um back to yelling at people no <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, mean, I, I want no, to address me, that. Let oh, me just ahead. let me just finish here what I was saying. It's just that I I felt that we didn't do what we were supposed what what we could have done to make things better in general. Uh, I've seen things done by everybody, including friends and everybody, that I would not approve, and it was kind of surprising to me. Yeah, you're not uh, letting go some things. No, 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 it was it was it was tough. I mean, including friends doing things that I was like, "Oh wow, I've known you for I don't know twenty years, and this is what you're doing." Anyway, that's uh, you. <laughs> I'm not there. I I like I get it. We we can all come at this, but I'm not going. 
I, I mean, want to. I want to lick over a lot of that. Good. Um, <laughs> yes, he calls me Mother Teresa when I. Good fuck for that. you. <laughs> I hold grudges. <laughs> oh, honey, I know. I tattoo them on me anyway. <laughs> but uh, I, it was just a little disappointing, and then uh, it, it it happened so many times that I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna wait for this vaccine because <laughs> I can't rely on anyone. Um, I do think on a cultural larger level, that's true. Is that the one thing that I, yeah, the one thing that I'm not going to ever forget about this past year, it really has changed the way I look at my country is that we are not capable of coming together in a communal way to solve a problem. Right. Um, and that was just clear in the way people behaved over the past year. So, and I don't mean individually like you are judging friends. Right. I mean, these weird mask protests and all that stuff that happened all over the country. Um, yeah, people, it to rely on um, other people during a crisis like this is probably not a mistake I'm going to make again, I'm sorry to say. Um, anyway, but I also want to say that a ton of people helped, a ton of people no, I know. did so many wonderful things to make things better for a lot of people. Um, I myself tried my best. Uh, calling people I know and and seeing if I could help or whatever, making sure they were okay. You know, we donated uh, money, we volunteered, we did whatever we could. Um, so yeah, a lot of people did a lot of good things too. Uh, agreed. I think that's all we have to say about that. Uh, there has, I've said this before on this podcast, and it, it came up in our discussions this week about this. You know, there's a lot of end of the pandemic what has changed forever kind of uh, think pieces going on now. And um, I don't buy any of it. I think a lot of it's major bullshit. And I don't take anything away from the, the people who are writing these pieces. I don't think they think it's bullshit, but I just think they're not, they're not looking at the fact that uh, people fought very hard not to change at all during in when, when half a million people were dead, they were still fighting not to change their behavior at all. So the idea that there's going to be broad social change coming out of this it doesn't strike me as likely. Broad cultural change. Matt Zoller cites the New York Magazine uh, film and television critic said something the other day in response to us talking about this online. And I was like, God, he's so right. When you look at movies from the 1920s, nobody mentions the pandemic. There's never a mention of the pandemic, not in the right, music, right. not in the movies. True, not true, the, like, true. They didn't want to talk about it. It was done and they wanted to move on from it. Right. They, and he he said they talked about the World, world War One for decades. But there's nothing in pop culture about that pandemic. And I think it's the same thing. And I said this all along. People don't want to watch movies about people on lockdown. They don't want to watch these Zoom. And they've tried several times this year, right. and nobody wanted it. No. It's the same thing with the award shows. They're doing these Zoom award shows. Nobody's watching them. Nobody wants to be reminded of this crap. Right. And I feel this real solidarity with my people from 100 years ago. They really just didn't want to deal with it. They didn't want to sing about it. They didn't want to... No, no vaudeville no plays no nothing about you know the spanish flu. and that goes against the idea of entertainment i think you know but, but i also from, think something like this is not conducive to social right, change right. i mean we all have, whatever there's all different kinds of changes that right, come out of right. these things but i don't think culture in 2023 is going to look all that different from 2019. I don't think there's going to be some broad shift in our, in the way we live, the way we think, and the entertainment that we watch. That's right. my take. But like I said, I'm of the opinion the exits that way. I'm not looking back. <laughs> I don't want to learn any lessons. I want this to be fucking over. That's what I want. So <clears throat> that's where I stand on that. All right, moving away from that... Um, of course, we would love to hear from you guys what you think about all of this, how, yes. you, how you're feeling about the light at the end of the tunnel, or do you feel that it's really far away? You know, it's it's perfectly normal, and I, not that you need my permission, but acceptable to feel completely pessimistic about all of this. Like I said, Jessica Walters, I don't believe I've got the job until Wardrobe calls me up and right. asks me what size I am. Um, One of the things about the lounge that I like is that people are telling their stories about how they're coping and dealing the lounge is an open thread on right i do i do love that and i read your stories with your spouses and you know how you know how you're dealing with everything and because it's interesting to see and read about other people's uh experiences yes uh all right moving on to something completely freaking frivolous but uh, again it's sort of this broad cultural thing um we well first off we i'll be 
completely honest. Like I've been talking to Lorenzo about our podcast and I said, you know, I think the podcast does much better when we talk about broad cultural things than when it's these like little bits and pieces of cultural commentary. So it's just easier to explain what this week's podcast is about if it's if it's, you know, we've been doing this for five years, but we're still learning. At some point I have to check because I think we're past 300 podcasts at this point. We really need to do yeah, like a I book giveaway yeah. or something yeah, like that, a yeah. celebration. Um, anyway, uh, this is online nonsense stuff. It's viral crap. It's uh, <laughs> And it spills over into the real world, which is why we're talking about it. If it had stayed all on Twitter, I think, man, I don't know, we would have even talked about it. It's a bunch of disparate things. First, I'm going to mention that Chrissy Teigen left Twitter this week, and that is kind of a big deal. All of these um, tech journalists who talk about social media said, you know, she was like a power user for Twitter. They actually invited her to their company yeah, retreat she, earlier she this year. She Very had a active. massive following. And every time Chrissy tweeted something, there were it would reach the mainstream press and get talked about. And again, you can think all of this is ridiculous, but this is the culture we live in. She's a lifestyle brand. She's a former model. She's the wife of a very popular pop star. And she's very, very good at social media. So she she was a star. She was a star of social media. Um, she'll be fine. She's, all, she's still on Instagram, and she'll still be a star on Instagram. But she shifted over to a lifestyle brand that she's trying to sell her cravings by Chrissy Teigen brand and her line of cookbooks and all that stuff. And... Like anybody, like, I'm not going to say like anybody, because we don't have this problem, but but like a lot of people who have been on social media for a really long time, there's a lot of questionable shit in her past. She was making all kinds of shitty jokes 10 years ago that some of them were like pedophile jokes and just like stuff that wasn't a good idea 10 years ago, but really hasn't aged well now. And we talked about this last week with the Teen Vogue editor. Right. Her old tweets came back and, you know. And this just keeps coming up again and again. Now, okay, so that's one thing. Chrissy um, launched uh, a cleaning brand with Kris Jenner. And I can say from experience that anytime you do anything about the Kardashians, people (laughs) yell at you and go, why are you talking about the Kardashians? So people attacked her for that. And then she did this long, heartfelt message and she left Twitter. And it was a kerfuffle. Like the press picked it up and everything. And people were saying this is actually really bad for Twitter that another woman of color was driven off You know, uh, another celebrity Mm -hmm. woman of color was driven off the platform. That's number one. Number two, again, I'm doing setup here. Do you want to do Cinnamon Toast Shrimp Guy? No, go ahead. You do it. Okay. Cinnamon Toast Shrimp Guy was, he's, uh, I'm not even getting into his name. And I really think we should be careful here about, I don't want to get in trouble for alleging things that aren't true. Right. All of this is up in the air, but. um, And still going. It's still ongoing. And for all I know, it could be true. I don't know. All I'm saying, I was skeptical. But he's a, a Los Angeles-based producer and comedy writer, and he tweeted out to Cinnamon Toast Crunch, he tagged them, the cereal, pictures that he found uh, shrimp tails in his in his bag of, in his box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. And in, in the manner of the weirdness of Twitter, of course, it went massively viral. I was so sick of hearing about it, but it went on for two straight days. <laughs> And then it got picked up by um, all the major, like Los Angeles Times did a profile of him. I mean, and he was just loving it. He was embracing every article about him, and he was constantly tweeting his way through it. And which was the reason why I said from the start, I was like, I, um, I find this whole story very skeptical. His wife, who was former actress from Boy Meets World, she did a sponsored post for Cinnamon Toast Crunch last year. So it's the whole thing. It's like, look. I ain't alleging shit because I don't want to get in trouble here. But there's reason to be skeptical. And what happened was he was milkshake ducked. And uh, you have to be extremely online to understand what that means. And this is kind of what ties that into Chrissy Teigen because she was also extremely online. Milkshake duck is a term where it was a joking tweet that someone made a couple of years ago where it said, oh, everybody loves milkshake duck. Ten minutes later, we're sorry to inform you milkshake duck is a racist. It's these things yes. that go viral. Everybody loves it. And then you find out someone, something terrible about the person who, who did the viral tweet. So in this case, a bunch of this guy's... Um, a bunch of women came forward who said that they were ex-girlfriends of his or ex-colleagues of his and told mm-hmm. all of these terribly abusive stories right. about him. Um, and in the meantime, there's all these questions about he has a marketing background. He's a comedy writer. His wife did sponsored work for Cinnamon Toast. So there, then immediately rose all these questions right, about right. the veracity of his story, which I am not getting into here. 
you were the one who said, let's talk about that this week. And I want to turn that over to you because it was a good call. Now say why you wanted to talk about it. No, the reason why, primary reason why I wanted to talk about this is just that it's how we handle things today. Any news, any any viral, anything. It's like how it explodes without even us thinking about it. Stepping back and and waiting a few minutes before you can even say anything. We just jump right in. And and then we're part of the whole conversation and, and then it, days go by and then we we find out I'm not saying it's the case here, but we find out that you know it's a lie, it's a setup or Or they have a really you know questionable then, past. And or, then they find out a lot of things about these people. And I think and you you see this going on and happening so many times. I mean, um there's the case, I don't know if you remember. Remember the plane? I was going to bring it up. Oh, my God. Go ahead. Plain Bay. Um, this was uh, like two years ago or a year. And I don't even know. This stuff all happens. And 2018, who maybe. It might have even been six months ago. Yeah. But um, uh, there was this couple on a plane who um, were live tweeting because the guy and the girl in the seats in front of them who didn't know each other were apparently flirting. So the couple in the seats behind them tweeted uh, out the whole conversation and actually took pictures of them from behind. And and it was during the course of the flight, like they were just updating every couple, oh my God, their elbows touched and everything. And it went viral. And everyone, it was hashtag plane bay. And um, I remember while it was going on, tweeting my way through, I'm like, this is gross. Why is everyone supporting this? This is a total violation of their privacy. You don't know these people. And, um, of course, it went bad because, uh, as is, the, well, first off, the guy that they it, that they were tweeting about found out about it. And, of course, he loved it. He was tweeting out pictures of himself, and he actually did some press later. The woman uh, locked all her accounts, left social media, well, because, of course, and she was an Asian woman, she was harassed, immediately harassed. Yeah, well, she... And uh, let me just... I just... Not to pat myself on the back, but I was, we were like, what is wrong with everyone right, here? Why right, are you right, doing right. this? Anyway, go ahead. The thing is that, you know, it's one thing if you, if you, if you tweet something and then kind of like take a picture, but you don't show them and that's the end of it, that, you know, <laughs> fine. I, I'm, I'm still against it, but that's fine. But they were live tweeting every, com- every bit of conversation they were having. They were talking about everything, telling people everything live at the, you know, while it was happening. Right. Uh, on Twitter, and it just the thing kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and then people found out who she was, and then they went after her, right. uh, and she had to, you know, shut down all her accounts. Yeah, like you said, uh, while he was just having the best time of he his life. He was like on Good yeah. Morning America or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he was loving the attention, of right. course. You know, white privilege <laughs> male. Right. Uh, while she was horrified and she was trying to protect herself. Um, Meanwhile, the couple who did the whole thing also uh, were like tweeting doing, out their resumes. Yeah. And we're comedy writers, so if anyone wants to hire us, and right. it was gross. Gross. Asking for money, um, getting interviewed, and whatever. Uh, here's my information if mm-hmm. you want to interview us, blah, blah, blah. It was just the whole thing was terrible. And then, terrible. Uh, like, in Jan- it was actually, the I think, believe the day before the insurrection on January 6th. So this was. Uh, and the only reason I mention this is because it just dropped out of sight so quickly. But it was Bean Dad back yes, in January, yes. this guy who um, tweeted out a story about trying to teach his nine-year-old daughter a lesson, and he basically made her um, try to open a can of beans without ever teaching her how to use a can opener. It took nine hours, and the girl was crying, and she was hungry. And he told this all as a very entertaining story. And uh, Pete, the huge backlash, because people were like, that's actually child abuse. Um, and it went back and forth and he tried to ride it out and it turned into this big thing. And then of course he had to go and give this huge apology later. Um, and again, all, all that was much like the cinnamon toast guy. Um, it was to me clear and obvious clout chasing for right. instance, mm-hmm. I, not to cat, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know any of these gentlemen, but I think it's a much healthier approach to social media is to take the tack that I did with both of these instances, which is this is a bullshit story someone's telling for attention. Like the Bean Dad story, I actually didn't believe it. I it was a not right. it didn't really hold up as a believable story. Um, so I didn't actually think this guy was guilty of child abuse, only in the sense that he was using his daughter to try and tell a because it was one of those like thirty thread tweet threads that right. they you know right. those that is like a dead giveaway that someone's just chasing that cloud yeah. yeah. Um, 
And it was sort of the same thing with Cinnamon Toast Shrimp Guy. Look, maybe he really did. I, I'm not questioning that. That has yet to be settled. But the way he tweeted through it and just constant update, he was clearly loving the attention. He was clearly doing a bit. Even before I found out he was a comedy writer, I was like, this guy is some sort of, he's in, you know, there's something. Right. He, he's not some random Twitter guy. Um, and then he was doing massive press the next day. And this is what happens. The same thing happened with Bean Dad. All of these terrible stories started coming out. Like, you know, you, you chase that clout and it is going to come back and bite you in the ass in one way or another. And this is not necessarily a discussion about clout chasing. It's about the, all the rest of us who bestow that clout by giving all these people, you People need to be better about who they give attention to online. Even silly stories about Cinnamon Toast, because right from the get-go, I was like, this guy just wants attention. I could tell by, you know, before the story even broke, just the way he was tweeting, I was like, ooh, no, I'm not retweeting this at all. But other people don't look at it that way. They think, oh, it's, oh my God, he's married to Topanga from Boy Meets World, and blah, 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 this wasn't on my bingo card, and it's all anybody wants to talk about. <laughs> I think, I yeah, I think... Uh, as someone who puts out a tweet like that, uh, first they have to understand that they're they're looking they're, they they have to understand that you're not talking to your friends on Facebook, yeah, especially Twitter. When you put it out there, the world is going to see it. Right, it's going to spread, and you just have to be ready for whatever they want to talk about. Um, you know, some will love it. And even the ones who loved at first, then they'll hate you because they're going to find out things about you. Right. Uh, it's just not going to stay there with just what you said. It's going to expand and, he, and it's going to go into directions that you're not prepared uh, for. Um, I, we see that happening all the time. Remember the um, curvy wife guy? Yeah. He's the one who did the thing, I think it was on Instagram all or right. something. Yes. About how much he loved his wife, that she was curvy and blah, blah, blah. And his friends, they he all turned had, it into a whole brand. Right. And it's just... And because then, people hated him for it, and right. he wrote out that hatred. He thought, well, hatred is attention, and attention is money, and attention is money. Yes. You have no ethics, yes. and you have no dignity. Right. You can make money off of being this this attention-seeking. And, you know, I you can't hold back a tidal wave. Like, I, I can't tell society not to be what it is, but we are in an, in it now, where we are elevating these YouTube personalities and influencer person and and... I realized that I came up as a blogger during the blogger craze, and I am an independent media person. I guess I'm a personality. I don't know. I don't think I'm a personality, actually. I, I think, well, I guess if you have a podcast, you are. I hate thinking of ourselves that way. <laughs> I don't think of myself as a personality. I think of myself as a writer. But whatever. I don't believe we're clout chasers. We only, <coughs> pardon me, use uh, social media, well, I don't think I would ever be on it except for my job. Right. We use social media to connect to an audience to show them the work that we're right, putting right. out, to let people know that we have a podcast right. out, we have a new post out, we, you know, whatever, we have a book out. Um, but I, just last month, I got, I personally got a bunch of Megan Sussex stands mad at me for something I said about the interview on Twitter, and a bunch of them said the same thing before I blocked them all. Um, oh, good for you. You got your attention. Now you're getting what you deserve. And there's people out there who don't understand that I don't tweet for fucking attention. Like, it's not attention. I don't need 10,000 people coming at me because I said something. Right. I tweet to get, you know, for a brand, like Tom and Lorenzo was a brand, and to give my thought, and part of that brand is giving thoughts on pop culture and stuff like that. But I'm not chasing clout or giving attention, no, no. and people's, they can't fathom being on social media and not doing that. Right. I, the way I handle social media is, is it's very different now than it was than it was like 10 years ago whenever we started uh, on Twitter I used to get a, uh, major fights with everybody right. uh, and major fights with everybody and and, and reply back now and, I just and, block everyone and now I just I don't do that anymore and the way I handle social media now is if, if I'm going to tweet I think all right can I handle this can right. I handle the, <laughs> the replies that I'm going to get right. um, and if I can then I go ahead and do it but if I feel like I'm just wasting my time here that I'm just going to be attacked for no reason, uh, I just give up and I don't tweet. I now think about what I'm tweeting and I wait a few minutes before I do it because it's not worth it. Um, it's just not worth to get into a fight. Uh, I don't tweet before I go to bed anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> because I remember tweeting, you know, tweeting something and then going to bed and then when you wake up the next day, there's just <laughs> a ton of replies so that you have to deal with. Um, no, I don't do any of that anymore. 
I I think it yeah. Um, the way I handle Twitter specifically is that if I feel like I can handle it, I'll do it. If I feel like it's important that I say that, I do it. But no, I don't waste my time or get into fights or. <clears throat> It's just. It's I think just people a level, need to be. Uh, it, it's a level of harassment. It's a level of um, hatred that you just don't need in your life. Right. Um, I. You brought up a point that I wanted to bring up, which is our, the length of time we have been on Twitter. I mean, I believe we've been on Twitter since two thousand eight. Um, I. I can remember when Twitter was a small, yeah, when it was yes, small, yes. like when you could say, "Hey, let's get X trending," and you could get it trending in like twenty minutes if you got enough people to say it. Um, and our uh, Twitter as uh, or social media as a cultural force, as a rise to becoming the cultural force, it have and coincided with our professional rise as bloggers, right. obviously on very different scales. But we started. When we started on Twitter, we were still fan bloggers, Project Runway fan bloggers. Yes. And that's actually, we got on Twitter uh, to live tweet yes. Project Runway. And then we had just started going to fashion shows and we were live tweeting fashion shows. Um, we were power users. Twitter actually invited us to their headquarters in San yes. Francisco. Yes. This, yes. That's how long we've been on Twitter and how small it was when we were on it, when we first got on it. But it, we've we've grown up sort of professionally at right. the, as Twitter has grown up professionally and we have learned we are power users because we're on it all day. It's part of our job. Um, and we take a much more critical eye than I think the average user takes to it. It helps that we're cultural critics. It helps that I was a communications major in college. I have a communications right. degree. So we understood we have a higher level of media literacy than the average person does right? Uh, because of the nature of our backgrounds and our jobs. But it distresses me how low media literacy is getting mm -hmm. in, in the modern age, how bad people are at, me at reading something that's a bad piece of media or following someone on social media who was clearly, you know, a bullshitter or not a good person right. or whatever, a questionable person. You and I have great instincts about that. We don't really get, we've never, God, knock wood, we've never got caught up in any big Twitter kerfuffles. I'm sure people have gone through our feed to try and find some sort right. of scandalous tweet, but there is none. Um, and that's not bragging. That's just, we were adults when we came into it and we never, we, from the minute we came onto social media, it was a professional thing for us right. and we developed as professionals on it. So the only, that's why part of why we're, I, I thought this was a good idea for us to tackle this today is because um, it is an increasing problem. Uh, someone like, I brought Chrissy Teigen into it, not just because she's, you know, she's something that happened on Twitter this week. And I do want to be clear here. Chrissy was at the receiving end of just terrible, terrible, terrible uh, abuse. And she claimed in a follow-up post on Instagram, it wasn't the abuse that drove me off. And I actually believe her on that because we, I followed, we followed her on Twitter. Mm -hmm. She's a prolific user, which means she was popping up on her timeline constantly. She was really good at Twitter. She was funny. She was good at clapback. She was good at retweets. But I could tell... Uh, probably from about the time of her miscarriage that she was too emotionally invested in her social media account. It was too, there was too much raw emotion in her tweets. And I was like, this is not good for her. She really needs to get the hell out of here. This is just not good right. for her. And this is what I mean about people being too online or uh, investing too much into an online persona and realizing, you know, as, like Chrissy probably did at some point this week, this is not healthy. It's just not healthy. So many influencers have come forward later in their, you know, in their post-influencer career and talked about how unhealthy it was to live their lives online. Um, so, you know, I guess this is just an overall, as two people who live online, make our living online, but have always been very, very smart about cutting that off right, when we right. needed to, never placing too much importance on it. No, and instead of reacting in a in a bad way, what I do now sometimes is I just delete what I posted and and very silently. Right. <laughs> just, I don't make a fuss about it. I just go and go ahead and, and delete it. It happened on Instagram sometimes when I got some replies that really hurt me. I don't want to get into the details of it, but it really hurt me. It had nothing to do with what I posted. It was just mean. And I was like, I don't need this. Uh, and then you have to make a choice. When you post something online, uh, whatever it is, Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, you have to make a decision. Do I really need this? Right. <laughs> yeah. 
So, but I, I mean, I, yeah, I agree with, I don't disagree with you on any of that. I guess I'm looking at it from the side of, I'm not looking at how I post. It's more about how I respond to other people's posts. So right. I don't get caught up in these viral posts. Um, I have, I'm, I think we're both very good at sniffing out bullshit immediately. Like right. I'm telling you. Not that maybe he's true. I don't, but I mean that sentiment. I was like, I'm not retweeting that. This this is just someone. And I, I, I just think- I, I you I don't know. I just you can tell you can tell when someone's doing it for the clout when someone really wants the attention, and I don't like that. I like things that are entertaining because they happen to be, or because someone's creative, not because they're desperately grasping for attention. And I often think it's the ability to let things. Go. I mean, you see something, you read something, and then you move on. Right. There's no need to reply to everything you see or, right. or read online. I mean, even if it shocks you or whatever. This is why I don't deal with Stan culture online right. at all. Not right. at all. Oh, no, my God. If I do a Kristen Stewart tweet and then someone who's whose avatar, whose, you know, user picture is Kristen Stewart. I'm like, yeah, disregard. Sorry, nothing to do with stand culture. No. Same thing with, uh, it's affected our royal coverage because now there is this insane stand culture around the two wives. There's right. the Megan stand culture and the Cambridge stand culture. And there's bots and trolls and there's brigading and there's all, and, you know, let's go. We need to attack this journalist because they said that, nope, I will have nothing to do with any of that. Don't want it in my timeline. Don't want anything to do. I would rather talk about the royal family with people who don't have pictures of Meghan in their profile or Kathy in their profile. Right. I, people who have, you know, just general interest but don't devote their whole online persona to one thing and one thing only. See, other thing is... Um, People have different uses for social media. So you have these stan accounts. And I am also very, very wary of single usage accounts, which is when someone, and I always, I can always tell they wind up in my replies and I'll go, let me, let me go look at their profile. And sure enough, their profile is nonstop daily. Every 20 minutes is a tweet about politics. Right. It's about Trump. It's about Biden. It's about whatever, Bernie Sanders, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, if you're on, if that is your only reason for being online, right. Please stay away from the fashion blogger because I'm talking about other stuff and you're bringing all this intense right. anger into it because you think that's what Twitter is. It's where you go and argue about politics or it's where you go and defend Kristen Stewart. Like those are the accounts that I want nothing to do with. Right. And we had uh, also a conversation about um, this this idea that you shouldn't block people, that if you block people, oh, no. somehow you're you're just like avoiding the conversation altogether. And I'm like, why? I don't know you shit. <laughs> I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know you and I don't owe you anything. Right. No, I never give a second thought. And I, I've caught people who have screen capped because we blocked them and then right. got passed around some screen. I, and I'm always like, no, I'm go ahead. Bless this. I am incapable of being embarrassed by the fact that I blocked you. I blocked you because you were an asshole. If you want to brag about that, go right ahead. But it has nothing to do with me. Twitter, any social media account, do not get weird about this. Block people. Right. Why? Why? You wouldn't, if you were standing at a bus stop and someone started screaming and yelling at you, would you stand there and go, okay, I have to stand and listen to this because otherwise if I walk away, they've won. No! You'd be like, fuck off, and you'd get yourself away from it. You are under no obligation to listen to anybody's bullshit. And... You don't have to have, maybe they're a really nice person. Maybe they're someone's grandmother. You still don't have to listen to their bullshit. There is no law that says you ha- you can't or shouldn't block right. people. Right. And if you want to mute them, fine. But I actually think it's more definitive to block them. They get taken out of your timeline, which means they can't harass anybody else in your, you know, any of your followers. They can't come and use your social media in the future as a jumping off point to, you know, right, ha- right. whatever. Never think twice about blocking people. Never, ever, ever think twice about it. Don't be weird. Uh, your social media is whatever you want it to be, and you don't have to answer any. But that's the other thing. Is right. I had a bunch of like Sussex stands coming in demanding why their friends were blocked, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know you. Why do you think I have to explain how I manage my Twitter account I to don't you? Know you or your friend? Exactly. <laughs> and I always think the same thing. I'm like, the very fact that you were in my mentions asking me this question means that I was correct to block your friend, and now I'm blocking oh you. <laughs> you get no say. Nobody gets any say in my Twitter account or anybody else's or anybody's Instagram. You handle it the way you handle it, and you don't give it a second thought. Life's too short, and life is not social media. It is endemic it's almost impossible to get away from it drives our culture it drives our politics so i don't think you should ignore social media for what it is but 
man, I really wish high schools taught social media yes, literacy. Yes, yes. You know what I, I mean? Agree, and I media literacy. The thing is that... Because uh, we're in an age of disinformation that is right. only rapid, more and more rapidly getting out of control. And again, I feel like you and I are better than the average person at... at we're not susceptible to disinformation because we have media backgrounds, media training, you know, and we've been on social media since right, the beginning. Right. But that's not true of the vast majority of I people. Think, I think that's a great idea, especially for... Uh, Teenagers. Teenagers uh, at school, they, they learn how to deal with social media because it is a tool that you need. Uh, right. It's useful. It, it can be very helpful, but at the same time, it can be damaging, horrible. damaging, yes. horrible for you. Uh, I, I go to TikTok a lot, and my God, the comments on TikTok are just as bad as the one on YouTube. Right. Uh, and Instagram is kind of the same. We're very lucky that the comments we get on Instagram are, are usually... Very nice. Uh, but I, I, I read some of them and I'm like, my God, I can't believe people say stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you, you yeah, uh, you either train these people or you just going to have... Block them. No, no, you <laughs> block them. They, If you fight with them, it's what they want. <laughs> Don't fight with people. Don't fight with assholes. Block them. Get them out of your life. And then that's one less person for them to harass. I'm serious about this. I have been, and this is part of the reason I think why we're both so social media literate is because Lorenzo and I have been online since 1994, 1995. You're, uh, you're a moderator. We were big into message forum culture and stuff like that. So we've been online for over 25 years and uh, we're not naive about any of it. But um, anyway, that's our thoughts. We should wrap this up. We're just rambling now. But um I think Chrissy Teigen made the right choice for herself. And again, she's still on Instagram. She'll be fine. Oh, but, she'll be fine. But Twitter, yeah. she was getting too emotionally involved with it. And it was good for her to back off. And Twitter's getting worse. Twitter's getting worse, which is why we're having this little discussion about trying to make your corner of it better. Do not fight with people. Block <laughs> people. Don't engage with stands or anybody like that. They are all the worst part of social media. I agree. Um, the only people who are worth talking to on social media who are the ones who are not there for an agenda. Right. They're just there, uh, and that's the, those are the people, the writers and the journalists and the and you know people who have jobs where there's a lot. We follow a lot of doctors on yes, Twitter, yeah. and we have no medical background, but they're smart and they have things to say, and right. so that's that's who our timeline is full of. Um, there are great discussions. I to follow have. any yeah. journalist who follows us because right. it's good to have journalists in your timeline. Um, I follow every culture critic who who follows us, and I follow plenty that don't follow us. Um, it, for us, it's people who are good at their jobs, right. who are articulate and have good things to say. Um, some of them fight a lot, but they're still you know worth following. They're there are other people, and I would counter. I would say that the majority of users on social media are not there for good reasons. They're there for selfish reasons, right. or agenda-based reasons, or just to be an asshole. Um, you really have to find the people that you want to listen to, and be selective in who you're going to listen to, and literally block out all the other noise. Okay, I'll stop lecturing. No, that's true. Thank you all for listening to us. Uh, yes. We will be back next week with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desks or piques our interests. Until then, be safe. Hope you all yes, get your yes, vaccinations yes. soon. Let's make some plans for the summer. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye.